All right, early edition of Lulz today. We're bringing our old pal, Osimo, back on the show. It's been too long since we've talked to him. And of course, since then, the Sim Wars have heated up. We got all kinds of stuff going on over at Stochastic here. What he has been up to in the DFS streets. It's Lulz. Let's do it. I, does he think? I think he thinks, this, he thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. Please, Please don't do bus. All right, Alex Baker, a.k.a. Awesome-o. Alex, how we doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for inviting me on the show here. I had to check my balance on on DraftKings because I'm like, did I win a Millie Maker and I just didn't know about it? Because I thought that's usually when you invite people. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. You know, we make we make some special exceptions. You still have not won a Millie Maker, right? Is that correct? No, he won one. I won a like high stakes one, which I, I don't feel like count. it counts. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was it was like 2,500 people, and that's not as cool as beating 200,000. No, no. Yeah, we need the full RBX uh, 88 here uh, from you. But uh, Brian, how are you doing today? Early, early lulls uh, today. We're having to dust the cobwebs off of our eyes here. How are we doing? Great. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah. I had some internet issues, but I think we're resolved and we're good to go. I think we are good to go. And yeah, Alex, I don't even think... I don't know if we've talked to you since Osimo, the site, changed its name to Stochastic. I think I mentioned it the other day on a show, or maybe it was a few weeks back, where I know it, it was a polarizing name change at the start. And then, like, the more I've sat with it over the past, you know, however long it's been, it's really grown on me. So kudos to you guys having the courage to pull the trigger on that name, because now I really like the name Stochastic. <laughs> That's awesome, man. As it's I good to hear it. that it's, uh, <laughs> it's been settling in. Did you... Did like you at first, were you like, I want this company named after me? Or did you not care at all? Uh, it wasn't really my preference, but um, okay. you know, when I was starting a company with uh, Tom and Eddie, they were like, we got to capitalize on this brand equity uh, of Osmo. So that was kind of the, the logic. And then obviously it evolved a lot since then. And we wanted to have a name that reflected more of the, the current and future of the company. Was it true that you were in a battle with Tom, whether to initially name the site Osimo or the Kennedys, and you guys had just rock, paper, scissors for it? The Kennedys, that would have been a pretty good one. <laughs> it would have been. So what, I mean, I, I, I really can't remember the, the last time we talked to you, but a, a lot has changed over, even at Stochastic, not only the name, you guys rolled out your SIM product uh, recently. We did talk to DeColtz, he came on uh, when that happened. But what has that been like for you, just this thing of what was something you were doing behind the scenes for so long, like Brian, and now a lot of it is available for public consumption? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting evolution. I think a, a big pivotal moment was when Nerdy Tenor kind of announced to the world that he was doing this kind of stuff. Um, and was that on Lulz? Like, I don't quite remember. It's on ours and a couple other shows, I think, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think he did Blender's Pot. He did a few d- different spots, yeah. I think at that point, the cat was out of the bag. And I think, um, you know, it's it's definitely a change in the industry, like, more sophisticated tools are available and i was just like reflecting this morning because I, I knew this might come up on the show i was like i remember when i started dfs and 
like the top dog was Saho Sud, and his advantage was like this was before you could upload lineups or edit lineups with CSV, or like I didn't even have I might have had a really basic optimizer at that point, but I was kind of hand building like everyone else. And then uh, sites like Fantasy Cruncher made it available to to be able to like really like streamline that process, and that allowed me to compete with guys like Sahil Sud. So it's like this is the new thing. Like a lot of pros have been doing it. Like especially guys who can code, like have kind of built up an edge where they can really streamline their process and have an advantage over the average guy. And now some of those tools that they may have been using behind the scenes are are more available and like a, a big part of it is the speed where like it's not just having a sim but being able to execute it in a short amount of time and when i go on the stochastic sims it's kind of like a amazing technological feat to be able to like take five thousand lineups in a minute tell you exactly how they would rank based on the play-by-play -play sims how how involved were you in the development of the stochastic sim product I'm more, I've always been more involved in the sports of it. So like the NFL sim, like I, you know, this is kind of the same sim that's been powering our uh, products for a while, like sap stacks and, uh, you know, there's other things like optimal rates and, and all that. So I, I've been, uh, you know, I was very involved in the creation of the sims. And how much of, like, would you say when someone buys a sub for the Stochastic Sim product, like, because this is what we were talking about with Brian and he was talking about the Saber Sim one, like, how similar is what is publicly available com compared to what you've been using for your own play for, for a long time? I think it's pretty similar. And if you go on the uh, post contest uh, Sims, like, I think a, a really good uh, indicator is, like, how are different guys' lineups rating on the post-contest sim? And, like, you can see my lineups are always rating out as plus ROI. Uh, <laughs> I, obviously, yeah. I, I don't, like, take that as being, like, oh, man, I'm the best player in the world because there's a lot of uh, bias, like, uh, when it comes to, like, rating the lives of people who are using the tools. Um but that's also why I like uh, checking out uh, other sims like DFS Sweat for MMA is a tool I really like, and uh, it, it's always interesting to see how your lineups like stack up like based on other people's methodology. Um, did you did you make your own fields before? <clears throat> like make your own field and run lineups against it, kind of the, the way the sims work now? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's did. been a really good strategy for a while. Um, and like I'm not a coder, I just did everything in Excel, and you know I think it's it's been possible for just a you know someone who knows a little bit of Excel for a while. Um, but I think for a lot of guys, they don't want to like really develop the technical skills. They want to focus more on the sports. And the that was strategy. always a question about what you were doing specifically. I figured you were more so doing the work on the you know like prior to where you're looking at. The, the mass data and then how do lineups like more regression based type of thing and then rank lineups. So like in the NBA, were you making fields too in Excel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think NBA, like there's some other factors like the lineups you're going to have at the end of the night aren't necessarily the lineups you're starting with. Right. So I think NBA, like <clears throat> it's like a really useful tool. 
uh, in every sport, but like how you execute it as part of your strategy can, can be a little bit different, like NBA, where you, you might want to plan the late swap. Yeah, well, even the last 20 minutes before lock, it's pretty tough in the NBA to use Excel and do this type of thing. And I mean, you're going to you're going to use way less than 10,000 lineups in Excel and pull this off in the NBA. And also, like, basically what you're trying to do in the NBA is run it with like 10 minutes left or something or maybe 15 minutes left and hope nothing changes. <laughs> and then late swap properly after that. Like if you're going to use this process, I'm not too sure. I mean, I guess now I guess nowadays, since you guys have like dedicated software providers, you could pull it off in the NBA much easier, but like, I mean, you're at like, this is kind of another uh, benefit of doing your own work as opposed to outsourcing is if there's an injury, you know, three minutes before a lock, you could just go in there really quick, change the guy's projection up, guess, move them up six points, and then press enter on your optimizer or sim or whatever. That's probably enough, not enough time to do any realistic simming at that point. And if you're not and you're outsourcing it, you're at the mercy of the provider and hope they do it really quick. And in the NBA, although the last season wasn't too insane, but it happens all the time. Those last 15, 20 minutes are chaotic. Uh, for, oh, LeBron James isn't going to play. Well, that changed the whole damn slate. Uh, yeah. So, like, I've got three minutes to make it, an adjustment for all this. I did like the change they made in NBA, so they announced the starting lineup 30 minutes before the tip-offs, unless they're the Trailblazers. Um, right. Because that's, like, kind of, like, put the time on when the, the news comes out in a lot of instances. So, like, for those... 6 p.m. games, you're often getting the news at 5.30, or I'm central time, so, uh, and then for the 6.30, comes out at 6, so, like, there's, it's kind of more seldom that I think the news comes out, like, five minutes or ten minutes before lock, but, I mean, a lot of times the news comes out after lock, and then you're still having to react to it, so, I think that's what makes the NBA fun and interesting, and, uh, I know uh, there's some guys out there that that are more trying to focus on the ball uh, element of it and having success. So Does his name rhyme with Schmetty Peft? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think uh, there's uh, different ways to approach it. Um, I mean, I think one thing is you can always like go to the post contest sim and see how your strategy worked that night based on all of the news at the end of the night. The uh, it doesn't matter if you know ball or not. Like if a guy gets ruled out, you got to do something about it. Like no matter what happens. Well, and I, I don't think they were uh, following that thirty minutes or more rule uh, super strictly. <laughs> I hope they do crack down on that a little bit. But but yeah, yeah. like even the six thirty games, they're let's say they're releasing thirty five minutes early. Well, you got five minutes to adjust for that. Um, the NBA, I don't know. I. I I don't think it's that fun to have to sit at your and worry about these guys getting scratched every night until nine central, you know, like um, it's, I, I, but I could understand for some people that being enjoyable, like those dudes who like diving into the waivers deep every week, the first six weeks of the NFL season, like there's people who enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, um, I think well, ahead, it's a, a sport where you have to really fully immerse yourself in it to, to have the most success so that's been kind of why i've been playing less nba in the last couple of years just because 
like it's hard to find time for anything else and then like if you're in a relationship or married like usually the time you're late swapping is when your your significant other is wanting to to hang out so <laughs> I, I think it's a tough lifestyle to maintain of being an nba grinder uh brian you did a quick overview on some of the sim stuff last week when we had leone and levitan on but tyler asking what do you mean uh by making fields uh because this goes into the various types of sims yeah you could watch last week's but like you're just trying to predict within a reasonable approximate approximation like what the lineups your opponents would make and like not specifically i know for sure alex is going to play a five, three stack of Colorado Rockies or whatever, but like that you, you, you're guessing, you know, 12% of the field will have Rocky stacks or something like that, or 40% of the field will have Blake Snell. And so like, okay, now I have 40 Blake Snell, 40% Blake Snell lineups with these guys. And it looks something like the field. And then you sim lineups against that field for like how, okay, let's say Pete thinks, uh, you know, whatever a Justin Fields line uh, lineup is going to be good this week in the spy. Let's because <laughs> Pete loves Justin Fields. Let's run it and uh, see how it can how it performs against this fake fake field. And then you just do that over and over till a bunch of lamps look good against this fake field. So like, you have to get your fake field right. You have to get a lot of this stuff right, and a lot of it's guessing, but it's how you measure what matters. And with glad, all the interactions that you can think of and put in your sim. I'm glad you explained what that was because I was thinking making fields was like when you look at all the plays you could make and then you don't do any of them. <laughs> but Justin Fields? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys coping? Two of the world's biggest Chicago Bears fans. You guys are fans of quite possibly the most dysfunctional franchise in all of professional sports. He likes the Lions. That's true. I forgot He's, about that. Yeah, yeah, we're benefiting from that, but um, I, I like the Bears too. I go to games uh, like most seasons, and uh, yeah, I hope they just set fields free. No, yeah, it's it's free. perfect for DFS. Believe it. Or not. I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. Like everyone hates Fields now. Like he's gonna run for 120 and two touchdowns in one of these games. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he was like the winning quarterback like three weeks in a row last year. Yeah, when I was in. The first week, everyone's like, this is the worst quarterback in the NFL when he did that. And then the second week, they're like, he'll never do it again. And then the third week, they're like, Justin Fields is going to go high in best ball next year. This guy's the future. Look at you, Brian, putting on your I know ball cap. Yeah. You have even you even like shades of Leone and Liam talking about Dalton Kincaid, your homerism <laughs> shining through there with Justin Fields. I love it. I'm, I'm, I I know my commenters. My <laughs> um, Alex, what have you thought? of like the overall well two part there's like the sims discourse a lot of which we've been having on here but also just the idea of how people who are using these for the first time might be using them wrong or not understanding exactly how to leverage them it was something you could hear levitan and leone were kind of concerned about last week when we were talking with them how do you kind of feel about this whole thing now that it's out in the wild for anyone to interact with yeah, I think it'll take some time for people to figure out how it fits into their process. I think that if you just go on and like use the contest generator and then the lineup the simulator, then um, you're going to have a much better starting point at the very least if you're just using that as your full process than any other tool in the past. Um, and then there's a lot of different ways you can incorporate the sims in your process. Like 
if you're a you know ball guy then you can change the projections you're running the sims with um or if you're a game theory guy maybe you want to look at the contest field that you're using uh, i mean there's a lot of different levers to pull there yeah is it are you as doom and gloom as you probably heard Brian on here with kind of like the sim edge, you know, drying things up? Like, where do you fall on that spectrum of like Brian to petty theft as far as like the, the edges in DFS? Yeah, I think um, I think we're still waiting for the dust to settle a little bit. Um, I think that DFS has always been a game where you have to raise your game continuously to stay ahead of the curve. And this is just another example of that. So um, I think that there's a lot of guys out there that want to be pros uh, in DFS right now. And um, it's going to, it's always been a situation where like this, the strongest players survive and the weakest players like lose their money. Um, and I think like, there hasn't been as much turnover in DFS pros recently, but like if you go back to like five years ago, like a lot of the names that you saw at the top, like don't really play DFS anymore. So I think it's just up to every individual to, to make sure they're doing uh, what they can to make their, their best lineups. Do you find yourself kind of looking for the next thing? I know we talked to like Ricky D or you hear someone like Uticao being like, hey, there's a shelf life on how long I'm going to play. Obviously, you've had a lot of success on the business side and the content side as well. Like, how are you thinking about that as far as like what portion of your living comes from DFS play exclusively? Yeah, I think, um, well, I'm in a fortunate position where... <laughs> You know, I've already made a, a good amount of money in DFS, so I'm not feeling a ton of pressure to to continue to rack up the score. Um, so I am kind of looking at the next big thing where, like, it could be more uh, something that getting in at the, the like, ground floor, like um, a lot of us did with DFS and riding the wave up. I like I'm kind of tempted to like get more into NFTs to be honest. Uh I feel like everyone's super negative on them like you can get in like I, I as more of a um a business kind of thing more than an investor I guess um but I do think there's a lot of potential in, in stuff like NBA Top Shot that is currently uh at a low point. So it does seem like a there's other things like I know Martin Papagates is jumping really hard into AI. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other guys out there that uh, I know chess is okay. He went into venture capital after DFS. Yeah. So I think um, you learn a lot being a DFS pro about how to like build and scale up a business. And uh, once you've kind of done it, you're kind of looking at what, what how else could I do that? Interesting. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I think that's sharp. Um, <laughs> John says, Alex, we got to pump his top shot back. How many Luka Doncic cool cats uh, do you still have, Alex? <laughs> I have one. I, I okay. did um, realize a, a big um, capital loss on the Luka sales. <laughs> And I have there a lot more unrealized losses that I could. Uh... Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah we sure do. And Brian I, and I still sit not just yeah. a don just a straight pure dunk of just letting everyone cash out. I waste all yeah. the money. I, I mean, I, I love the idea of uh, 
getting into something else like even if like you're i mean stochastic probably doesn't want to hear this but like if you're like a young guy thinking about playing dfs full time like it's tough man like uh it's it's tough out there so i, I mean like i think the angles are like you got to make a better sim like a better using ai maybe or something like that like like uh now of course if you can get to that 0.001% of brain players out there, I, I, like, I think it's, I, I wonder what you, what you guys think. What's more realistic. You can become a 0.001% brain player, or you can make a better sim than stochastic. Oh, I mean, br- brain player for me, for sure. Okay. <laughs> of course, Pete thinks that he's already thinks his brain is this big. <laughs> no, how big would I have to think my brain is to say I could make a better sim than stochastic. <laughs> I think that, that would, would be easier. A... Yeah. I... Or, or yeah, how about uh, this? I... No, how, let me, let yeah. me rephrase it like this. I think more people uh, mistakenly think that they can become a brain player when they, they're just not. It's not going to fucking happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. How about Sorry. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, when I think of what a brain player would look like in 2023, I think of someone that would, like, kind of make their own projection model based on their reads more than someone that just has the reads and builds lineups without like using any of the tools available. Yeah. And I think too, probably Brian, like I could, the, the leaps I could make if I just dedicated all of my time to learning how to code and researching on Sims, like I could probably go like, you know, from 0% to 90%, like pretty fast that last 10%, like closing the gap on what, like that would probably take me ages, but you're probably making the same case of like, you could get up to 90% knowing ball, but then those last small percentage increments to get you into that top 1% or 0.10 is really, really hard. And it's easy to lie to yourself about that last 10% in ball knowing, and it's not in Sims. Like the, your fucking Sim won't work. You press the button your code didn't work, you know, like, but with, but with ball knowing, you're just like, Oh, I just got, I got unlucky that he only got 25 minutes and I projected him at 34, you know, like mm-hmm. that type of thing. It's really easy to convince yourself that you like, th- I mean, just like think about, uh, call-in shows, sports call-in shows that we listened to growing up and the amount of dummies who call into that and think they know, so much like that it's like a disease so like people <laughs> that will think they they know so much and that they're like well petty theft does it so i can do it and it's like not gonna happen homeboy sorry like I'm, I, like there's gonna be one but that's one out of you know a hundred thousand people who try it yeah but i did want to ask you in the code too we lost we lost alex i sorry alex. i lost alex he's too. like i'm i'm offended i, I don't like what brian's saying <laughs> No, I wanted to pull this one up because Alex, you mentioned that you still do a lot of your stuff in Excel. And I was wondering, like with the rise of chat GPT and all of these tools for learning coding, like, is that something you're intellectually curious about? Or is that just a a rabbit hole you don't have that much interest in? Yeah, I think um, I've been interested in it. Like I I started trying to learn Python and I was finding chat GPT really is a huge tool where you can just copy paste your code in there and I'll tell you why it's not working. So like that really helped me to make up a ton of knowledge deficit. And now I'm more interested in Python for like more of an NFT thing than a sports uh, related thing because I feel like I already have stuff in Excel that it kind of does what I want. And then, you know, you can use these tools like the, the stochastic Sims to, to also kind of accomplish the same goals. So I've been, 
found that time is a huge factor in how I can make more in DFS other than, I guess, just spending less time having to play the slate, um, which is a little bit of a risky business because then you're not doing as much research and stuff. Brian, does it surprise you? Like, obviously, I know you when we have petty theft on, you're like, dude, you could supplement your knowing ball, big brain stuff with Sims and expedite it and make your process even better. Does it surprise you when you hear that Alex is you kind of just like, hey, it's not broken. I don't need to fix it with the Excel stuff. No, no, no. I, I think that's it makes sense. Like if you're still doing fine, like why change your process? I, I probably do the extreme too much. Like I change mine t too often. Uh, hmm. So like I, I, I totally get it. And, and still with petty theft, like why would he change? It's, why would he listen to me? You know? So like uh, him not getting into Sims. I mean, I still think, I, I don't think he knows enough about Sims and how customizable they are and they could take what he knows, but then he'd have to trust a coder and stuff like that. So maybe it's not even worth it going down those roads. For He's him apparently to willing to trust anyone who will fill out a form on his new site <laughs> these days. He seems like a trusty guy to me, Brian. <laughs> I to IDN him. How do I get my hands on those projections, big guy? Yeah. He, he, called, he called me like a dirty simmer or something. He refuses to go. <laughs> the thing that confuses me about petty theft is, um, you know, he's all like, uh, I'm not throwing shade or anything. I feel like he... He says he's like a, a brain ball player, but then I look at his exposures and they're not much different than a lot of the other pros. So I, like I, when I've really dug into it, I've had trouble figuring out exactly what angle he's going for. Or maybe I was just looking at his slates where he didn't really go hard on a specific read or anything. But I'm not saying he's any less of a player, but I just I like I haven't played NBA a ton in, in a while either. But I, I wonder if he's. Uh, a lot, a lot of it's talk. Oh, well, it's luck. luck. Or, okay. but is it that his claim is his brain is so big that he is naturally coming up with the same things that your simulations are coming up, or he's coming up with those independently, just via a different path? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like, whatever he does seems to be working. So, uh, as I was saying, I'm not trying to throw shade or anything, but it, it's really tough to figure out like how to reconcile what he, he says he does with the lineups that he's putting in. I think you're allowed to throw shade. This seems like a pretty explicit shot across the bow. Uh, yeah. You don't almost need like overcomplicated a, Sims to win. Almost like he's challenging him to a fight. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Is this our next boxing ass, match? Man. Like, uh, awesome over his petty theft? I, I, I want to challenge someone that I have a shot at actually uh, <laughs> competing against that. Someone like <laughs> petty theft, who's a pretty good athlete. Dude, yeah. he, he was like, we, we we did this event at Wrigley Field for one of the sites. Uh, it was like a live final or something. He was like slamming homers left and right off the batting practice. I was like making contact once in a while. So he's uh, he's got some talent. Is this right yeah. for your email here? Is it alex at osmo.com? I'll go ahead and get yeah. you subscribed <laughs> up here, uh, nice. Alex. <laughs> um, what about, yeah, it is like... The, the problem with the brain over Sims thing, too, is, like, what about some of us that aren't that smart? Like, I don't know if I have that much faith in my brain. <laughs> yeah. That's my point. <laughs> um, meanwhile, when we're taking shots, Pete looks better than I remember. I don't know. This is, like, the most backhanded compliment. Was I a disheveled mess uh, before? How are you doing, Clairvoyant? Backhanded. Um, 
the Alex, do you still get excited to play DFS? Like, do you get jazzed up for new slate for for sweating, or are you just like so numb to the whole process now? I'm definitely trying to focus more on <clears throat> the enjoyment part of it. Uh, so I've been focusing more on sports that. Like the thing I find can be uh, a grind is like when you really have to immerse yourself in the world to to compete. Um, like MLB and NBA, where you have to be at your computer from you know certain times every day. I'm more focusing on sports that have less of a time pressure, um, like golf, MMA, NASCAR, NFL, stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, I find that. Uh, it's a much easier lifestyle. And the other benefit is just like when you're like spending so much time playing daily sports, there's not a ton of time left to like work on your skills. So having a little bit more balance there has been good. I'm trying to find this. Did you guys see the petty theft big brain meme someone made? I can't find no. it. No. DM it to me if you had. I was, I was trying to find it and then we could show up, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. It was in someone replied. He did. He did have this tweet too after the announcement of the site. Uh, Sims without brain projections are useless. Brain without Sims are good. <laughs> <laughs> I just love. I like reading that in a caveman voice. I think it's definitely Sims without projections useless. Brain without Sims good. <laughs> uh, I will say this though: if you want to get a couple thousand player people signed up to your site, your your beta site, really quickly, offering staking and giving away your projections is a nice way to do it. I will say there is, and I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. And Alex, I'd actually be <laughs> curious about like the feedback from the stochastic audience in general and the response because you do get people saying like Sims are ruining DFS, not even from like the edge perspective of just being like it's not as fun anymore, or I feel like you know what I got into DFS for it's not the same. The playing field isn't the same. Like what has been the overall feedback from maybe more of the hand builder esque you know stochastic subs. Yeah, I think that like everyone has their own process. I think that the Sims appeal more to people that already have been using tools like optimizers um, than they would like, for a hand builder. But at any rate, I think that tools like a Sim, like I think one thing a hand builder could do to like make the process really sharp is start off with the Sim lineups and then sift through them and find the ones that they really like and even make a couple of tweaks if they want to, to, to have them reflect their own um, own opinions and the plays they want to make that week. Um, so I think it's kind of a new thing that everyone's trying to figure out how to incorporate their tool uh, into their process. But I think there's a lot of uh, people that they want to be able to compete more like the pros. And uh, I think the perception is that a lot of the sharp pros use these sims, and that's true. Like, and I think that a lot of us weren't saying it until Nerdy Tenor let the cat out of the bag. Um, and then, like, the amount of effort it would take and, and domain knowledge to like, create the sim is way too much for average person, and this allows them to bridge that gap. Well, that's what I've like, because for, for, you know, since talking to Brian, like over the years, like the Sims were always like this black box thing for me and how hand builder friendly they've been has actually been a really welcome surprise and something I'm a legitimately enjoying. And I have been able to see how many bad lineups I would have otherwise have hand built that I'm now able to, you know, test and fact checked against the Sims. And now I'm making better lineups. And it's like, 
uh, to me, it's actually made DFS more fun. One, because I'm not losing as much, mm -hmm. but two, it is just a fun element to be able to test assumptions. You know, we, I think it is really fun too. Like I used to always come on and being like playing a 40% own defense is bad. And then it's like, you see some of you guys with the Sims doing it. You see, you know, Leone now looking at their Sims being like, Hey, it's not as bad as we thought. Like it is fun to have actual math challenging these assumptions that we used to just kind of shoot from the hip. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, like, it's not only, like, that you can, like, kind of test the lineups, but, like, it, it creates really interesting results that you can research, kind of like what you're alluding to, where I was looking at one of the highest ROI lineups on a showdown slate the other, like, one of the, the uh, slates this year, and one of the highest rated was, like, uh, running back, captain, like two quarterbacks and one running back and one red wide receiver to the flex. And I'm like, how would anyone ever like come up with this lineup by hand? It makes no sense. But then like the Sims factoring all the stuff, like the salary of each player and like maybe other wide receivers do well, but you can't like fit them into your, your salary cap and stuff like that, that it'd just be impossible to like ration uh, by your, your brain. Well, that's the thing, because I, I had those same thoughts. It was last year, you know, I'd be reviewing my lineups in the spy, and I remember that week you won with, I think it was the Raiders onslaught, and you had, like, Matt Collins and Carr and Adams and Jacobs all in that same lineup, and I was like, I would have maybe have considered doing this in, like, the Thunderdome or, like, a 35-person. I was like, what, how, how, how did you know that this could work in there? And my guess, it's a similar thing to you, where you look at the sim results, and it's grading out really well, and you're like, well, this is kind of interesting. No one else is going to do this. If the math is telling me it's good, let's go ahead and throw it in here. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Like, you end up with some lineups that are really interesting. Like, one that I, I found interesting result, like um, – like a lot of the onslaughts um, where you stack like three or four players with your quarterback, that works better in like a smaller field than a larger field because mm -hmm. you don't have to get every player right. And if you get like two out of three of those three that you have in your lineup to have a big day, then like and your quarterback is going along with that, that just gives you a lot more combinations with that quarterback that could go right. So um yeah, you can like learn a lot of interesting stuff with the Sims. Yeah, I think someone getting up to like ninety percent of a brain player doesn't help you, but using a sim, like and having no brain at all, <laughs> it help it helps. You know, uh, I think Pete, you're used, probably using it exactly optimally for you too. Just that making all your same lineups and then testing them, seeing how they do, and then eliminating makes a ton of sense yeah what um what it, what kind of contests are you playing these days alex like saying like the nfl lobby are, are you playing everything are you focusing on anything in particular yeah the funny thing is like i was having kind of a a, a rough year um and i was like on roto tracker i feel like the best way you can see if your your stuff is good is you look at the finish distribution and like my finish distribution was very solid but I was just like down big for the year. And then that all changed in week two where I just had like the two slates in a row that like really went my way. So now I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go a little bit harder on NFL now. Yeah. Well, that's like the Bryant thing, right? It's like, you know, you, you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater, you kind of scale it up when you're doing good and you got to pull back, even though like 
the, the same variance is going to apply, right? Whether yeah. <laughs> you're running hot or cold, but there is still some like psychological factor and bankroll management factor where you're like, I don't feel like scaling up my play when I'm taking yeah. a bath every week. Exactly. And, and one of the really tough elements of DFS right now is like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but like, I feel like the hardest level are the contests like between 200 and 600 or whatever or 200 and a thousand dollars and then once you go above a thousand dollars it gets way softer and then like obviously the the swings are like crazy if you're playing like 3k contests and stuff and um yeah so it's like the the possible like money you can make is pretty good in those but then you have to deal with all the variants the it is interesting you say that. I noticed that playing out in the best ball streets even too, where it's like some of the like best ball mania drafts or even like the $5 puppy drafts would be like so sharp as far as like constructions and all this stuff. And then you would do like the $500 bulldog ones and you'd see people doing like really weird stuff. I think my guy Easy from the Deposit Kingdom Discord has talked about that a lot too, that the, the higher stake stuff can be much, much softer than people anticipate, that the amount of money you're putting in doesn't necessarily equal more uh, ball knowledge. Yeah, and the the break is a lot different too. So, if yeah. you look at the three K contests, I think a lot of them are raked at six percent. I'm I'm trying to pull up the one from tonight. Yeah, the mar the rake is like less than six percent. So, then you compare that to like fifteen or I guess two two twenty two is ten percent. So, that's like four percent difference right off the bat. Yeah. So if you uh, had to predict the future. And it's just concerning, like, making money at DFS, not having fun or anything like that. Like, how would you rate, you know, DFS five years from now? Like, very likely, likely, sort of, you know, about the same, less likely, or in dead. Like, we get to pick something around one of those. Like, how do you see Danny? I know you're part owner of a DFS content site, so maybe not the easiest way to answer, but what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways it could go. Like the one concerning thing is I feel like the, the current DFS giants are finding other verticals where they're like succeeding uh, more, like sports betting, which like that um, that is going to make DFS like get a little less uh, attention and love. Um, but like if you look at other things like poker, like poker games got a lot tougher and one like some of the sites like reduce the house fees significantly like especially in games where um it was tough to beat and like one of the uh like i i played um on poker stars and i was like grinding their vip status for like 150k in a year and um like i was making like probably a third of my money through like actual profit and two thirds through their like VIP program. So it's like, like a lot of it comes down to like what the sites do and how they adapt. Um, but then the other thought I have is like, I feel like there needs to become more of like a sports betting DFS hybrid, like the pools, like that would be a development that I would think would be bullish for the pros that maybe have interest in both DFS and sports betting. The one thing that it's tough to do is to make uh, as much money sports betting as DFS. And like, 
it's funny because I see these guys on Twitter bragging about making like 100k in a year in sports betting, like which is awesome. But like that's like 10% of what you can make if you're a crushing DFS player or less. So it's like the the money you can make in DFS is so much higher in sports betting, and you don't have to deal with um, like limits and stuff. So and like <laughs> like the people you're betting against in sports betting are the ones controlling your ability to bet. So uh, that's a really tough place to to see a ton of money as a participant. I think too, that's what makes it hard. You, you were mentioning like lower rake at the higher contest. If you are playing that kind of volume, it's so easy to justify like subscribing to any SIM yeah. tool, whatever, all of them, because the percentage of your play that it represents is so minuscule. And then I think that's where it's hard for maybe the mid to lower stakes hand builder where the rake in their contest is higher. The amount these subscriptions and services cost relative to what they're putting in play could be like close to 50% of like their weekly action. And so the calculus becomes a lot harder. And I'm sure a lot of people in my discord feel this way too, where it's like, I, I would love to pay for these tools, but I literally can't justify it based on my volume. And like, how can I ever expect to be profitable if I'm spending so much just to be at the level of resources that everyone else has? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's a, a big issue um, because like in an ideal world, you charge, you charge like like all of the like high stakes pros like subscribe to you know stochastic, and it's like we're charging them like uh, I think our platinum was like a hundred and something a, a month, like and these guys are getting like thousands or more of value out of the subscription, but it's like you can't charge everyone a different amount. So that that's a really tough element of all this. Um, but I think um, one thing you can do is, uh, well, like uh, there's deals where you can get some of the stuff for free. Like um, right now, you can sign up through Stochastic, the owner's box, and get the Sims for free for a certain period. Um, so you can take advantage of stuff like that. You can watch the shows where you can kind of get some of the like um, insights from the Sims. Uh, without like having the subscription yourself. Um, and I think like the ideal situation is like to create an economy where you can kind of start at a small subscription and work your way up to, as you kind of get better at your skills. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is tough because there are a lot of people that get a lot of value out of the tools, um, that are willing to pay a lot for them. And then there's going to be people that, that aren't going to be able to justify those prices. So it's really hard to find the right balance. I, I think it'll work itself out, Pete. Like yeah. <laughs> once you build this product and I could be wrong, what do I know? But like, once I, if I was own a company and I, I had this product and I wasn't getting enough subs, I'll go with price. I would come up mm -hmm. with to get people to use it. Like you don't just get rid of it. Right. So like, mm -hmm. it's going to work itself out to a point where it makes sense for them and the user at equilibrium eventually and there's enough competition to drive those prices too so yeah. i think the prices will work itself out and also i think like the user base kind of works itself out too a little bit to like like just to say there's this cohort of users who's going to sign up for these sims who otherwise wouldn't have it sims a certain percentage of them is going to are going to get lucky and bank and when they bank they're going to keep using the sims yeah. and then this will probably repeat and maybe it'll be if the sims are good enough that number will increase and then yep. leaving aside the guys who were going to sign up and always sign up 
and already made money at the FS and are just, you know, using it to make their play a little bit better. So like, I think that's going to be a portion. And also like in my, you know, I don't, I, I think it's bad for the profitability of the average DFS player, this whole thing. So like, I think that's part of it too, is like, there's like just this cohort of people who are going to get lucky. It's just, it has to happen. Like there's like a, an outcome where like, sure. Like maybe everyone who signs up for the SIM sites runs like dog shit. None of them bank. Right. And then they don't keep paying for it. And the and then the owners of these sites don't lower the price. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just never gonna happen. You know, what I mean, it, it's I mean, it's more likely that they built shitty sims. Yeah, and like that's not good. You know, like for 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 the user to use them. I think that's highly unlikely, but that's what. I yeah. Think well, I, I think comments like this, and I don't know exactly what this is referencing. You're not entitled to winning. We need losers. I think it's short-sighted <clears throat> from an ecosystem perspective, right? You want the people who are losing to be enjoying the experience and having fun. And part of that, I would argue, is being able to feel like they have access to some of these tools that other people. And if that process and the entertainment equity they're getting, they'll come back to the table every week. It's the same way like in the old school poker movies. You see the fish come to the table. You sandbag a little bit. Make them think they have a chance. Chance, and then you get the bigger score, you slowly bleed them off. You don't want to take all of their money in one hand and then they pack up and walk home. So I don't think you can just say like, we want losers coming and bleeding money because they don't come back. The ecosystem dries up. And that's why I think it is important on the lower levels to have accessible tools, to have things that make this fun. We can even talk about the content stuff, chasing the goat. Like we <laughs> literally need shows like chasing the goat that make playing DFS attractive as a lifestyle as you know a, an attainment thing because that gets more people wanting to play so alex do you want to break news is chasing the goat coming back for season two <laughs> yeah um well uh i would like to say that it is but um i think they're looking for someone to pick up the show uh and we haven't gotten <laughs> any <laughs> well i haven't been uh really in the loop at all but i assume it hasn't been getting any traction because i haven't heard about it but um it, it seems like a missed opportunity because I feel like some uh, some of the guys, like, they need to see, like, a big T have success. It's that they feel like they have their champion, like, that plays like they do. Um, and, like, uh, I don't think too many people will be watching the show and be like, uh, I'm going to be, like, a professor of math that, like, whistles and dominate everyone with, like, <laughs> uh, uh, that kind of stuff. But, um Go back to what you're saying. I think that, like, it, it, there can be like fun things even if you don't win a ton of money. Like, I remember I had one bullet in this live final, and Chipotle addict and Papa Gates had eight each, right? So yeah, like I like with my single bullet, I finished like twentieth, and they they all all the sixteen entries were under me, and I was like, hell yeah, I like suck it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> to but the um, man. yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> If there's a perception that all these pros don't know sports and they're all just math nerds, like I think that could play out to be more of an exciting narrative for for an average guy. But right now, it doesn't seem like there's any any sort of narrative kind of that. Uh, I don't know if people even really care about the the culture of DFS and they're just throwing in a few entries here or there. That's a theme on this show for years where we want better content, just creative things, more hype, you know, yeah. just like Matt saying in chat, like uh, ju just that best ball 50 K live draft looked more interesting and fun than anything they've done. DraftKings has done for DFS in a long time. I, but I do think we've entered this 
new paradigm or whatever of of increasing efficiency in the market and like I, you know what do i know but i think they should go more like a poker model where they give identify certain players who are good volume players and just give them rake back like contact them directly or something and give them rake back and then also the the perennial losers which I think they're already doing, but like, I mean, and maybe they make more money not doing any of this. I don't know. But like for the good of the market, from my perspective as a player, that's what I'd like to see where they give, they just given these guys free entries, these, these perennial losers, whatever, trying to, you know, uh, make them way less eat minus EV. And then the heavy rake back players back in the old poker days who kept the games going and the popularity going, you know, feed them, feed them rake back and the petty thefts, you know, you don't get shit, <laughs> you know, give them the regular, you know, Onyx tier stuff or something. But like, that's what I would, I would do. And they kind of were doing that towards the end of my poker career in the 2010, 11, 12 um, era. And I, I, maybe, maybe they hire someone from one of the poker sites. They might know better than me, but that I would go in that direction to kind of equalize the, the, uh, the, the efficiency of the market a little more from, just giving back giving back that way I, I it might it, it might just make their product just not worth doing though so like i don't know if there's a way to fix it i have some also oh go ahead some ideas i mean like uh okay i think one of the big problems with dfs is like okay like <laughs> you can enter 150 entries but if everyone does that then like it's all pros at the games and uh, there's the like kind of imbalance so it's like if you lower the entry limit for each person it could be more better for everyone like i, I don't think that's like a considered a huge problem by the sites that's the issue but um the other thing is i feel like if they could have formats that involve more of a poker style like um where you have to be there playing the game instead of just uploading your lineups stuff like best ball um i think like um draft.com had like the, those contests where you uh you just kind of draft dfs lineups and i think underdog they they have that as well yeah. so the battle um, rails yeah yeah so if um if sites put a greater emphasis on uh products where you have to actually put in effort even if you're a good player i think that would create a much more sustainable situation i don't you think they're i wish yeah that <laughs> low and smooth out the prize pools but then they don't have the 100k to first and is yeah. that what's bringing all the people in so it's a tough game which i'm sure they i i think they probably think about most of this stuff anyways too but if you if you could lower the the payout to first smooth it out a little bit low and i think uh, you said like less than 150 max too right i think alex there yeah yeah. Um, I think that would be smart. Yeah. Like they, they basically got rid of the 20 max in MLB. I don't know if you noticed in favor of 150 max $3. Um, that's like not better for you. <laughs> you dummies, yeah. you know, and late swap is not better for you. Uh, yeah. but some of these things the user doesn't want and some of the, you know, and I guess you could say the same thing about the hundred K to first uneven payouts. They don't want it. So, yeah. 
in, in going back to the thing, Brian, like you were saying about, I, I thought the $50,000 best ball contest was cool too. And, you know, John talking about like back in the day at live finals, they'd hype it, Joey Ingram interviewing people, stuff like that. Like I would have been like the target demographic to watch content from a 50K high stakes best ball draft. And yet, like I saw one photo of like them around their little podiums there in San Diego, but it's like, why wasn't that live streamed? Why wasn't there a draft board? Why weren't those guys mic'd up? Why weren't you having a, you know, on the field reporter going, asking a question after the picks, having guys talking shit to each other? Like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes things fun and interesting. In the same way, I watch Negranu and polk play heads up i don't even play that much poker and i wanted to go play heads up poker after watching them stream you know that thing so there is that element of like we say it all the time more media coverage etc um awesome i do have to ask you you chasing the goat your your besties with big t big t has been on this incredible like rick patino-esque recruiting <laughs> tour across the dfs landscape did he try to recruit you over to run pure sports because this man apparently can sell over a steak dinner <laughs> yeah i mean like hanging out with big t is always a good time so i can understand how he has that gravitational pull for sure um and uh but i think <laughs> yeah i mean he's getting some good guys like uh jbc mark i really like that guy i've hung out with him at the live finals a bunch uh and yeah hopefully they they have success over at Run Pure. Uh, I feel confident about the stochastic team that it's the premier team, so I'm not really worried about those other guys. Pete, I Where can't can people... help but oh, notice he didn't answer your question. He so didn't. It sounds like Big T did try to bring him over. <laughs> it, yeah. He it said, wasn't a direct we'll no. He said this. This is his offer. He's like, first of all, we'll give you a ton of giblets. Secondly... <laughs> will rename run pure sports run pure awesome it would that have done it for you because your old site is no longer named after you yeah. run pure that's a awesome that's a that's a I, I just want to be invited to this big party every year in uh in kentucky or whatever so yeah uh but no i i'll answer the question i haven't gotten the call uh, okay but yeah i don't I don't think I'd be looking for that kind of opportunity. Have you, <laughs> have you guys like considered doing less Sims and like more just giving out winners? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> that, that there might be something to that. So I'll have to look into it. Mm, yeah. You should just say we give out winners. That's all you just yeah. say. We give out winners and Sims. <laughs> yes. It, it, the order doesn't matter in which, so, in which they come. Does it sound like, Peter, you're hearing the same thing I am that it sounds mm -hmm. like. We already know the answer to which team Alex is on, Ship It Nation yeah. or Run Pure Sports. Yeah, that's we do ask that question near the end of every show. You got to take sides, um, Run Pure Sports, Ship It Nation. Um, sometimes the answer to this question has been incredibly revealing when some of our previous guests have actually recused themselves from answering <laughs> the question. Um, what what is your what is your answer to this this uh, age old question? Um, oh man, uh, that's tough to, to pick between um, Big T and Hoop. It's like, um, it's just sad to see that kind of bro breakup, to be honest. So, I know. Um, it really broke uh, Pete it, up. It's like when uh, Blink 182 broke up. And yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> but like, are you they did Tom get back for a reunion or, tour. Yeah. If there's yeah. enough money, they do get the band back together for a reunion okay. tour. Well, I'm holding out hope for a bro reunion. Oh, that's all I'll say. Okay. 
Shipitpure.com. <laughs> there you the reunion go. tour. The the one thing I did, I know I was trying to get you to do a boxing match with Petty Theft, but I think Toe uh, or Tambo in here had mentioned that you once you're on the show, you have now mentioned twice Nerdy Tenor letting the cat out of the bag, you know. And we've had other guests who have been upset with people coming on this show, spilling too many industry secrets. Is it actually Nerdy Tenor that you would like to fight? I don't know. I, I would probably lose because, like, I can't punch that guy. He's too nice. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I would uh, I would have a sing-off versus him since he's uh, he's a tenor. I, that would probably be how we'd battle. I mean, can we make that happen? I mean, if there's an event that DraftKings should sponsor, it's you two, like, I don't know, it's a, like at the Orpheum. I don't, I don't know where it is, but just some giant well-known concert hall. You two each get 10 minutes to give us your best solo performance, and we all judge the uh, the Follow, Followed by a ping-pong match. They have to definitely, because I don't know if you watched Nerdy's interviews, guys, but he's got a ping-pong table in his background. And everyone yeah. knows Alex is a stud ping pong player. So yeah, I, I forgot to mention that actually I've been pretty involved in the new major league table tennis thing um, because I'm like uh, homies with some of the the ten- uh, table tennis guys in Chicago, and uh, one of the guys I know is the coach of the Chicago Wind. So I've been uh, helping out with that. Uh, Are you doing a bit, or is this true? No, it's true. I, I like uh, created like some models for table tennis, and we're trying to to win the league and stuff. Uh, it, it, I, I enjoy it. It's. Uh, I hope table tennis can take off in the U.S. Wait um, a second. Let me. So you are a shadow GM for a professional <laughs> table tennis team in Chicago. Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah, I mean it's this startup that's trying to make uh, table tennis a big thing. I, I'm not as involved as. No, I'd hope because uh, I'm like, you gotta let me come in and help with the gambling side of this, have it on DraftKings, like on on all the sports books, have DFS and all that. But, oh, yeah. Um, Talk but, about knowing ball. Uh, <laughs> you'd be an insider for that. We'd be like, who's taking a dive this week, Alex? I, I don't think I'd bet on it because of ethics. But, That's yeah. fine. We I, I think table tennis is a fun one to bet on because each – each match takes like 15 minutes, so it's a really fast-paced bet. And then you have the whole team thing where it's like uh, there's 21 points for each team that can be scored. So it'd be cool to have like a spread between the teams and stuff. They'd be smart to make that the backbone of their entire launch. Just try to make it yeah. so gambling-friendly and just pressure, <laughs> try to get DraftKings to put you on their site. That'd be sharp as hell. What goes into a table tennis model? What kind of advanced analytics are are there even available for this? Yeah, I think um, my model's not super sophisticated, but like the main <laughs> insight is shirt uh, color is just like looking at every point instead of just the results of matches. Where okay, like a match is usually like fifty points, and like the percentage of points that each person wins is more revealing than like the overall winner of the match. So that's a big part of it. Um, and there's other ways to kind of get an advantage. And so the, the purpose of this is, so you're coming up with hopefully better ways to identify skill, and then you're going to use that to maybe scout new members that this team can, <laughs> can add to their, their squad. Is that how this is working? Yeah, I mean, most of the action happened before the draft, which was a month ago. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I, I helped a lot with the strategy. It was like very similar to just the fantasy football draft or something, to be honest, where like they don't have different positions, but like they, they have these requirements. Like you have to have a female player. You have to have two U.S. residents uh, <laughs> and like like U.S. residents ended up being a huge factor because there aren't that many good ping pong players in the league that are U.S. based. So <laughs> it was fun. Wow. Uh, that is incredible. You, Alex spending his free time building ping pong models is just, it's too perfect. It really is too perfect. I'm just picturing him talking shit. Like, sim that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping to get called up to play on the team eventually. That's right. <laughs> you never know. Do you ever make, like, you, like, make a big show of, like, setting your calculator down and then grabbing the paddle? You're, like, <laughs> uh, in goodwill hunting, you know, writing the, uh, the, uh, the math equation on the board as the janitor after just hoping someone will notice you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually, um, I'm really leaning into it because, uh, my official title on the team is uh, Chief Data Nerd. <laughs> oh, you got the CDN. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> ping pong players making fun of you, calling you a nerd. That must feel really yeah, good. Yeah, pong guy. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, Alex, let, it, let us know if there's ever uh, a, a ping pong event. Uh, you know, I, I would like to, uh, to attend that. That sounds like a grand old time. Yeah, they, um, yeah uh, I think the closest team to you would be Princeton uh okay they have like each city is hosting one event so like the chicago ones in november um princeton as a team uh and then uh yeah i think there's eight different teams so there's eight different regions represented man maybe i might have to hit up princeton see if they're looking for a cdn over here <laughs> yeah. maybe more of a hand builders ethos yeah <laughs> um all right, uh, Brian. Any any final words here uh, before we get out of here? No, thanks for coming on, buddy. Good to see you. Yeah, yes, good hanging uh, out with you guys. Yeah, as always, uh, a pleasure catching up with you. Obviously, checking out Stochastic. Anything else you'd like uh, the people to uh, to know about? Yeah, I guess uh, I'll just. Uh, I know like people don't like the touting, but I'll put on my towel hat for a second, and I just Let's think do like, it. you know, I saw a um, a post from. Adam share like a while ago that's like just knowing the plays is like the table stakes of DFS. And I thought uh -huh. that was really uh, enlightening kind of way to think of it. And it's like you want to be on ahead of the curve on all these different things and uh, make sure to try it out like the Sims uh, and see how it could fit into your process because I think there's a ton of value there like being able to, to evaluate, evaluate lineups the same ways that pros like, like uh, I would. There you go. Um, all right. We appreciate you guys. As always, thank you for accommodating our early start time. We'll be back next Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. By the way, Brian, and I, we've we've had a lot of the Sim Bros on. You know, we there's good people on both sides. Big T, it, you know, you still have an open invite to come on the show here if you want to give the uh, the other side of or, or maybe Petty Theft after launching his site, you know, maybe he has some more things to say. But I think, Brian, we've been wanting to get the other side of the Ship It Nation debate. We still haven't heard the run pure side. That's correct, right? Yep. Yeah. Big T. We're going to we're gonna call him out on Twitter, I think, to get him on. Finally. Well, he's been on the show once or twice, actually, I think. But. 
but it's been a while. A lot yeah. has happened since he was last on. Uh, thank you again to Alex. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy your Thursday nights. If you want to watch our Thursday night football watch party over on the Ship Chasing channel, we'll be live at 8.15 p.m. Eastern tonight. Lord Reeves will be swinging by. We got giveaways. We're going to pick them slips. All that good stuff that kicks off at 8.15 p.m. Mute the TV. Turn us on. We'll see you then. We'll be back next Thursday for Lulz. Peace. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.